more ado about nothing from mr punch's dramatic sequels by st john hankin this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. much ado about nothing the end of much ado about nothing must always leave the sympathetic playgoer in tears the future looks black for everybody concerned claudio's jealous disposition will make him a most uncomfortable husband for the resuscitated hero while benedick and beatrice are likely to find that a common taste in badinage is not the most satisfactory basis for matrimony when it is added that don john's genius for plotting is sure in the end to get him into trouble one feels that nothing can be gloomier than the prospects of the entire cast dramatis personae beatrice read by elizabeth clatt benedick read by algie pug page read by todd don pedro read by grace garrett narrator read by ruth golding scene the garden of benedick's house at padua benedick is sitting on a garden seat sunning himself indolently beatrice is beside him keeping up her reputation for conversational brilliancy by a series of sprightly witticisms very likely i do talk twice as much as i should but then if i talk too much you certainly listen far too little so we are quits do you hear opening his eyes slowly eh? i believe you were asleep but there it is a great compliment to my wit like orpheus i can put even the savage beasts to sleep with it benedict's eyes close again and he appears to sink into a profound doze but if the beasts go to sleep there is no use in being witty i suppose orpheus never thought of that come wake up good signor beast prods him coquettishly with her finger have you forgotten that the duke is coming when will he be here ere you have done gaping terribly bored by this badinage oh my dear if you'll only occasionally answer a plain question when do you expect him skittish to the last plain questions should only be answered by plain people yawning heartily oh a pretty question then pretty questions should only be asked by pretty people there what do you think of that for wit really my dear i can hardly trust myself to characterize it in uh, um, fitting terms rings bell enter page when is the duke expected in half an hour sir thank you exit page pouting you needn't have rung i could have told you that i am sure you could my dear but as you wouldn't i was going to if you had given me time experience has taught me my dear beatrice that it is usually much quicker to ring closes his eyes again how rude you are half opening them eh? i said it was very rude of you to go to sleep when i am talking closing his eyes afresh oh, it's perfectly absurd of you to talk when i'm going to sleep girding herself for fresh witticisms why absurd because i don't hear what you say of course my love 
whose repartees have been scattered for the moment by this adroit compliment well well sleep your fill bear i'll go and bandy epigrams with ursula exit beatrice benedick looks cautiously round to see if she is really gone and then heaves a sigh of relief poor beatrice if only she were not so incorrigibly sprightly she positively drives one to subterfuge produces a book from his pocket which he reads with every appearance of being entirely awake enter don pedro as from a journey benedick does not see him signor benedick starting up on hearing his name ah my dear lord welcome to padua looks him up and down but how's this you look but poorly my good benedick i am passing well my lord and your wife the fair beatrice as witty as ever quite rubbing his hands i felt sure of it i made the match remember i said told leonato she were an excellent match for benedick as soon as i saw her so you did so you did i'm bound to say you don't seem particularly happy oh we get on well enough well enough <laughs> why what's the matter man come be frank with me my dear lord never marry a witty wife if you do you'll repent it but it's a painful subject let's talk of something else how's claudio i thought we should see him and hero with you looking slightly uncomfortable claudio is uh fairly well why what's the matter with him his wife isn't developing into a wit is she no she's certainly not doing that happy claudio but why aren't they here then <clears throat> well the truth is claudio's marriage hasn't been exactly one of my successes you remember that i made that match too i remember didn't they hit it off it was all claudio's suspicious temper he never would disabuse his mind of the idea that hero was making love to somebody else you remember he began that even before he was married first it was me he suspected then it was the mysterious man under her balcony you suspected him too uh, that's true but that was all my brother john's fault anyhow i thought when they were once married things would settle down comfortably you were curiously sanguine i should have thought any one would have seen that after that scene in the church they would never be happy together perhaps so anyhow they weren't of course everything was against them what with my brother john's absolute genius for hatching plots and my utter inability to detect them not to mention claudio's unfortunate propensity for overhearing conversations and misunderstanding them the intervals of harmony between them were extremely few and at last hero lost patience and divorced him so bad as that how did it happen oh in the old way my brother pretended that hero was unfaithful and as he could produce no evidence of the fact whatever of course claudio believed him so with his old passion for making scenes he selected the moment when i and a half-dozen others were staying at the house and denounced her before us all after dinner the church scene over again no it took place in the drawing-room hero behaved with her usual dignity declined to discuss claudio's accusations altogether put the matter in the hands of her solicitor and the decree was made absolute last week she was perfectly innocent of course completely it was merely another ruse on the part of my amiable brother really john's behaviour was inexcusable was claudio greatly distressed when he found how he had been deceived he was distracted 
But Hero declined to have anything more to do with him. She said she could forgive a man for making a fool of himself once, but twice was too much of a good thing. Frowning. That sounds rather more epigrammatic than a really nice wife's remarks should be. She had great provocation. That's true, and one can see her point of view. It was the publicity of the thing that galled her, no doubt. But poor Claudio had no reticence whatever. That scene in the church was in the worst possible taste. But I forgot, you had a share in that. Stiffly. I don't think we need go into that question. And now to select the hour after a dinner party for taxing his wife with infidelity? How like Claudio! Really, he must be an absolute fool. Oh? Well, your marriage doesn't seem to have been a conspicuous success, if you come to that. That's no great credit to you, is it? You made the match. You said as much a moment ago. I know, I know. But seriously, my dear Benedict, what is wrong? Beatrice, of course. You don't suppose I'm wrong, do you? Come, that's better. A spark of the old, Benedict. Let me call your wife to you, and we'll have one of your old encounters of wit. Seriously alarmed. For heaven's sake, no. Ah, my dear lord, if you only knew how weary I am of wit, especially Beatrice's wit. You surprise me. I remember I thought her a most amusing young lady. You weren't married to her. But what is it you complain of? Beatrice bores me. It is all very well to listen to sparkling sallies for ten minutes or so, but Beatrice sparkles for hours together. She is utterly incapable of answering the simplest question without a blaze of epigram. When I ask her what time it is, she becomes so insufferably facetious that all the clocks stop in disgust. And once, when I was thoughtless enough to inquire what there was for dinner, she made so many jokes on the subject that I had to go down without her. And even then the soup was cold. Quoting, Here you may see Benedict, the married man. Don't you try to be funny too. One joker in a household is quite enough, I can tell you. And poor Beatrice's jokes aren't always in the best of taste, either. The other day, when the vicar came to lunch, he was so shocked at her that he left before the meal was half over, and his wife has never called since. My poor Benedict, I wish I could advise you. But I really don't know what to suggest. My brother could have helped you, I'm sure. He was always so good at intrigue. But unfortunately I had him executed after his last exploit with Claudio. It's most unlucky, but that's the worst of making away with a villain. You never know when you may need him. Poor John could always be depended upon in an emergency of this kind. He is certainly a great loss. Don't you think you could arrange it so that Beatrice should overhear you making love to someone else? We've tried that sort of thing more than once in this play. As the result has invariably been disastrous, I think we may dismiss that expedient from our minds. No, there's nothing for it but to put up with the infliction, and by practising a habit of mental abstraction reduce the evil to within bearable limits. I don't think I quite follow you. In plain English, my dear lord, I find the only way to go on living with Beatrice is never to listen to her. As soon as she begins to be witty, I fall into a kind of swoon, and in that comatose condition I can live through perfect coruscations of brilliancy without inconvenience. Does she like that? Candidly, I don't think she does. Hold! I have an idea. I hope not. Your ideas have been singularly unfortunate hitherto in my affairs. Ah, but you'll approve of this. What is it? Leave your wife and come away with me. 
she'd come after us. Yes, but we should have the start. That's true. By Jove, I'll do it. Let's go at once. Rises hastily. I think you ought to leave some kind of message for her. Just to say goodbye, you know. It seems more polite. Perhaps so. Tears leaf out of pocket book. What shall it be, prose or verse? I remember Claudio burst into poetry when he was taking leave of Hero. Such bad poetry, too. I think you might make it in verse. As you're leaving her forever, it seems more in keeping with the solemnity of the occasion. So it does. Writes. Bored to death by Beatrice's tongue was the Hero that lived here. Hush! Isn't that your wife over there in the arbour? Losing his temper. Dash it all! There's nothing but eavesdropping in this play. Perhaps she doesn't see us. Let's steal off anyhow on the chance. They creep off on tiptoe right, as Beatrice enters with similar caution left. Watching them go. Bother! I thought I should overhear what they were saying. I believe Benedict is really running away. It's just as well. If he hadn't, I should. He had really grown too dull for anything. Sees note which Benedict has left. Ah, so he's left a message. Farewell forever, I suppose. Reads it, stamps her foot. Monster! If I ever see him again, I'll scratch him. Curtain. End of More Ado About Nothing.